Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. He's seated calmly in control on the throne. And here's why. (laughs) I love this. And again, at first read, you could easily miss this. But the writer of Hebrews is inspired by the Holy Spirit to say that because he has finished the work on the cross, he now sustains and holds everything together by the word of his power. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. You may not see it on a daily basis, but the Lord is continually working in your life. Pastor J.D. reminds us in today's message that even though the work on the cross is completed, that doesn't mean God is done working in our lives. He's not just sitting around and waiting. He's holding your life together. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Today, very excited to start in the book of Hebrews. Now, our text is going to be the entire chapter Chapter 1. So you brought lunch with you, and we're going to be here for a while? No. Uh, And don't get used to it. This does not mean we're going to do a chapter a week, just today. But um, really looking forward to what the Lord has for us. I'll invite you, if you're not there already, to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. The writer of Hebrews begins in verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So, verse 4, he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to verse 5, which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, verse 6, when God brings His firstborn into the world, He says, let all God's angels worship Him. In speaking of the angels, He says, verse 7, He makes His angels spirits and His servants flames of fire. But about the Son, He says, your throne, O God, 
That's the Father to the Son, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness, verse 9, and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, verse 10, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You, verse 12, will roll them up like a robe, like a garment they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? I want to talk with you today about why it is that we as Christians can calm down and look up especially in light of, I would even say in despite of, everything that's happening in the world today. That's what's woven into the fabric of this chapter that we have before us today. I think you would agree that each passing day brings increasing pressure and stress, not to mention even the persecution of Christians in these, the very last days as we know them. Thankfully, the Spirit of God speaks through the Word of God to us as the people of God concerning these perilous times in which we find ourselves living today. Before we jump into this, there's a couple things that I think we would do well to know that are going to be germane to our understanding of this amazing book. And I know I say that about every book, but this is an amazing book. First, and this is interesting, God did not deem it necessary to identify the writer of this book. Conspicuously absent is the name of who wrote it. And also interesting, it's written in a very unique way to these Hebrew Christians in that day. It's believed that it was, well it had to be before 70 AD as we're going to see, but it's believed that it was written in the 60s. Not talking about the 1960s. We're talking about the, the 60s AD. That would explain a lot if it was, but it's not. Very unique in the way it's written. And by unique, I mean it's unlike the other books in the Bible in the sense that it 
sort of starts out like a sermon to be preached, and then it ends as a letter to be read. And it's just chock full of Jesus. Jesus is all throughout this amazing book. If you were to put a caption on this book, it would probably need to be something along the lines of, don't be discouraged, stay strong in the superiority of Jesus. That would be the caption. Namely, the superiority of who Jesus is, and the superiority of what Jesus has done, such that He died for us in order to save us. Now, it's important to understand that these Hebrew Christians to whom this was written were facing enormous trials and under tremendous persecution from particularly their own Jewish brothers, the brethren. And it's for this reason that the writer of Hebrews will draw upon what one has counted as over 80 references to the Old Testament. Why is that important? Because, think about this, every day, these Hebrew Christians, at great cost by the way, you have to understand, if you were a Jew and you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that's it. You lost your job, you lost your family, you lost your livelihood, you lost everything. This came at great cost. So every day, these Hebrew believers would watch their Jewish brethren go to the temple, worship at the temple, which again is why it's believed that this had to be sometime in the 60s AD, because the temple would be destroyed exactly as Jesus prophesied in 70 AD. So they're watching their, their Jewish brethren, family members. They've been ostracized because of their profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And you got to know that there was an intense amount of pressure on them, and there was an immense temptation for them to just give in and go back to Judaism. Enter the letter, the book of Hebrews. I would suggest that this had to have caused these Hebrew Christians to live in constant turmoil. They paid a very heavy price to follow Christ on a daily basis. And I mean it would have been so easy, as some of them were so tempted to do, to just say, you know, what's wrong with going in and going back and performing all of these rituals and in observance of the law. and Boy, it sure make my life a lot easier. Does that sound familiar to anyone today? 
Man, it would just be, my, my life would be so much easier. My job so much more secure. If I just go with the flow, you know, bro. I'm going to leave that one right there. That was not in my notes. This is what they were faced with. But God. (laughs) But God saw this, knew this, and cared about this so much so that He would inspire the writer to pen this calming and settling letter. Calm down. Look up. Get your eyes on Jesus. Just keep following Jesus. What follows are three reasons as to why, like with the Hebrew Christians then, we as Christians now can just have our hearts settled in the Lord, trusting in the Lord, the calming, comforting of the Holy Spirit in spite of everything that is happening in the world today. The first one is because Jesus is holding everything together. I was reminded, again it wasn't in my notes, I sensed that it was the Holy Spirit prompting me to Maybe it was just for me, because I need to hear this for myself. Because I get worked up, freaked out. (laughs) I know you don't. You're more spiritual than I am. But I have to be reminded that everything that is happening, as crazy as it is, and it's crazy, and it's getting crazier by the hour, it seems. It's kind of like we were just talking... Uh, before the service about how that you're, you're looking around, you're just going, <laughs> sometimes you just have to, you have to take a step back and go, is this really happening? Come on. Is it? And you wake up every morning like, oh, you know how it is when you wake up from a nightmare? You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I mean, oh boy, those are the mornings, my devotions when I wake up from a nightmare. Oh, hallelujah. It was, it was only a dream. The only problem is, is I keep waking up and it's still the same and it's getting worse. <laughs> it's like this, this ain't no dream. This is really happening. But here's the thing. Everything is going perfectly according to God's prophetic plan. Just calm down. Settle down. Or as (laughs) my teachers in school used to always say, simmer down. Simmer down. That's a good one. They were always saying that to me too, nobody else. In just these first three verses, the writer of Hebrews establishes the superiority of Jesus over the prophets of the Old Testament. And not only is Jesus superior, so too is He the radiant glory, and I like 
this rendering of the text because it's precise. He's the exact representation of the Father. Jesus would say to His disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. And not only is He the exact representation of the Father, He's also seated, seated at the right hand of the Father. Now that's important. Why? Because when is it that you sit down? When the work is finished? It is finished. Calm down. In fact, sit down. And while you're at it, simmer down too. It's finished. The finished work on the cross, I know this is a redundancy, you'll forgive me. The finished work on the cross is finished. I know that's deeply profound. You want to look up the word in the original language, the word finished, you know what it means? Wait for it. Finished. It's done. It's complete. There's nothing else you need to do. You can't add to it. You can't take from it. It's finished. Sit down. (laughs) Please. (laughs) You're making me nervous, pacing back and forth. What's the matter with you? I love this, and we saw this in Isaiah, which again, I, I mentioned this last week. I mean, you haven't lived until on Thursday nights you're going through the book of Isaiah, and on Sunday mornings you're going through the book of Hebrews. It's like, wow, doesn't get any better than that, right? Jesus can come back now. Isaiah, Hebrews, are you kidding me? We saw this in Isaiah, the sixth chapter, when (laughs) Isaiah is, talk about freaking out, if I can use that expression for lack of a better one, It was in the year that King Uzziah died. And King Uzziah was a good king. And under King Uzziah, Israel knew only peace and calm. But now he's gone. What are we going to do? So Isaiah says, I I looked up. Always good thing to do. In fact, let's just talk about that for a moment, if you don't mind. It's been said that when the outlook doesn't look good, try the uplook. Look up. And what happened when Isaiah looked up? He saw the Lord high and above, exalted. The train of His robe filled. I mean, it was the glory of the Lord. He describes the heavenly scene with the cherubim. But he says, this is the detail which you would think at first read was inconsequential, but it's not. He saw the Lord seated on the throne. Could you imagine? I think like this. I know there's clinical terms for this, and but could you imagine if the Lord was, here's Isaiah, and he looks up, and the Lord's pacing back and forth before the throne. What are we going to do? Uzziah died? When did this happen? Gabriel, Michael, get over here. What's going on? No, seated on the Calm down. I got this. It's like, what, the Lord doesn't know what's going on? Lord, did you hear what they're saying now? 
You know what the requirements are now? You know what the restrictions are now? Could you imagine the Lord going, I did not know this. (laughs) You don't say. No way. Yahweh! Yet he's seated calmly in control on the throne. And here's why. (laughs) I love this. And again, at first read, you could easily miss this, but the writer of Hebrews is inspired by the Holy Spirit to say that because he has finished the work on the cross, he now sustains and holds everything together by the word of his power. Just his word. I think about Revelation 1, just the word. The creation of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is power of his word. He has the final word and he holds everything together. Think of it like this. We talked about this, I think, uh, last Thursday, about the judgment of God is seen sometimes as the heavy hand of God coming down. Have you ever thought about it like this? The judgment of God is merely Him lifting His hand of blessing off of your life. And everything just goes into a complete tailspin and falls apart. Why? Because He was the one holding it together. He holds everything together. And sometimes I think we do err greatly when we just take for granted just how present He is in our lives. I often wonder, I don't know if we're going to know this in heaven, but I just wonder how many times I should have been killed and wasn't and didn't even know it. I I just wonder when we get to heaven, again I know they have clinical terms for this way of thinking, but just indulge me for a moment. We get to heaven and I'm going to have my own mansion theater, you know, so I go in, popcorn, popcorn in heaven by the way, popcorn is in heaven. And um, I'm going to sit down and they're going to show me a film of all, you know, like when you were eight years old, that happened. <gasps> I remember that. Yeah, I, I, I saved your life. <gasps> I did the same thing when you were eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, ten, ten and a half, <laughs> ten and three quarters, eleven. All through your life I held it all together. Calm down. Calm down. The second one is because Jesus overrules all and rules over all. Verses 4 through 9 are interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that the writer of Hebrews is inspired to go at some length to describe how that Jesus is infinitely superior to angels. Now this would seem like a firm grasp of the obvious, right? Come on, we know that. Well, back in that day they worshipped angels. This was an issue. Paul, even writing to the Colossians, has to rebuke them in that regard. And what was happening then, really nothing new under the sun. It happens now. It's just got different wrapping paper on it. We have somehow brought Jesus down to the level of the angels, and now all of a sudden the angels have been brought up and put on the same playing field as Jesus. And what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that Jesus is superior to all the angels. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Hebrews is rather enlightening as it traces all the history and traditions of the Old Testament, but ties them into the significance of Jesus and the New Testament. Essentially, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament covenants and symbols. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. It would be fascinating to have been a Jew during Jesus' time and to then later realize that Jesus was and is everything he said he would be. To fully understand the newer things, it's important to go back and appreciate the older ways, how it was done prior to Jesus coming to earth. The book of Hebrews is a wealth of knowledge and a resource for this exact thing. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Hebrews, we invite you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. You can find more messages there. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word, looking for nuggets of wisdom and insights that God wants to teach you right in the book of Hebrews. As we look forward to next time, we trust that you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. Come back again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.